You're listening to Scratch and Sniff Online with Nick Randall. The disease called AIDS, Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, sounds less than deadly, more like a diet pill. AIDS has struck only a reported 1,500 people, but it has killed almost 600 of them, and as yet no one with AIDS has been cured. Puzzling new disease has appeared in the past couple of years that is spreading rapidly among homosexuals, and it is a disease that is fatal. Do you are raising the possibility that people are dismissing it because it strikes mostly the gay community? There is no question in my mind. If this were happening to you and the white, straight, middle-class community, it would have been attended to a long time ago. Congress wants to know what to do about AIDS. Victims of the disease say the government has done nothing and has no plan to. Committee members were told that victims are often gay men or IV drugs. Hello and welcome to Scratch and Sniff, a day before World AIDS Day, and we spotlight the continued need to be vigilant and practice safe sex despite the breakthrough in combination therapies. The news reports you just heard were from the early 1980s, when people were only just becoming alerted to this new and at the time deadly virus. Reports that highlighted the stigma associated with the illness and its connection to the LBGT community. 30 years on and things are much better with combination therapies lengthening people's lives. But it's still not treatable and people still can be stigmatised with it. Luckily, it can all be avoided very easily with everybody's favourite rubber friend, well, perhaps not the Pope's, the common or garden condom. We interviewed Catherine Murphy, Head of Public Affairs from the Terence Higgins Trust, and I first asked her how long have the Trust been running and what sort of work they do. Terence Higgins Trust has been around for 30 years now. Um, The Trust was set up following the death of Terry Higgins, who was one of the first people in the UK to die from AIDS-related illness. And his partner at the time and some of his friends set up the Trust to try and ensure that people living with HIV, diagnosed with HIV or AIDS, didn't have to suffer in the same way that Terry did in those very, very early years. So we've now been working for around 30 years, working with people living with HIV, and we do a range of things. We work to try and prevent people from becoming infected with the virus. We also work with people who have had an HIV diagnosis to come to terms with it, to live well and get the most out of their health and their medical treatment, and also to combat some of the unfortunate um, things that are still associated with HIV Mm. in relation to stigma and discrimination and negative attitudes. So our aim is just to improve um, society's response to HIV from prevention to support for people living with HIV and just in terms of general attitudes towards Uh, HIV. Absolutely. And how many sort of bases do you have around the country and indeed has it spread beyond our shores? Terence Higgins Trust is largely a UK-based organisation. We have centres across the country. We started out predominantly as a London-based agency, but we now have around 30 centres right across the UK from Scotland, um, Wales and England. It sounds like all this costs money, Catherine. Uh, How are your budgets these days with the recession uh, and uh, what do you do to get the money in to be able to keep your uh, places open? Most voluntary sector agencies, like ourselves, have to rely on a huge array of different funding options. Some funding from local health boards and PCTs who want us to help them with their prevention work. We get funding from local authorities sometimes Mm. to help with social care services. Um, We also look 
to major trusts and grants like the big lottery funds mm. and we, we try and um, innovate and come up with new ideas for new services. We have had some money from voluntary funders like the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Uh, right, yes, um, of course. Who give us money um, to, to innovate and create new services for people living with HIV. And we've, we've created um, a, a new resource this year called MyHIV, which is an online long-term condition management service. Mm. It's, it's a website-based service. And we also um, rely hugely on personal donations sure. and fundraising as a charity. That's a huge part of our work. And World AIDS Day is coming up on the 1st of December. Yeah. And that's a huge focus for us in terms of encouraging people to give us donations and support the charity. Mm. Now, HIV is not necessarily a cause which is that um, prominent in the public's focus or at the forefront of many people's minds. Still. We do find we need to really work hard to get that funding in and mm. to get support from people, um, and we'll be doing that over the next few weeks. Sure. What do you think the government could be doing and what more could they be doing? Are they making firstly, it visible enough? Firstly, I mean... What we do have in the UK is fantastic medical services for people living with HIV. Mm. The treatments are so strong um, that a person diagnosed now and diagnosed early um, can expect to live a normal life expectancy and can expect to live relatively well. That said... um, Obviously, any long-term condition is not easy to live with, and it does affect people's health. But largely, overall, that's a a positive development over the last 30 years. We still think that more could be done to help people with the social and psychological aspects um, that are related to HIV. We don't feel that there's necessarily as much support out there for people living with HIV who have to deal with the stigma and some of the negative attitudes which society holds towards the condition, Mm. unfortunately. We also think that the balance in terms of spending is a bit out of sync, really. Um, We don't spend enough in this country on prevention. Yes. Um, And... Every new HIV diagnosis costs the NHS around about a third of a million pounds Mm. in lifetime treatment costs. Mm. So if we invest more in prevention in the UK, we will see money saved at the other end, significant Mm. amounts of money. So are you saying that uh, the government, you know, should be doing like bigger ab campaigns? Because I I don't really remember a a, a significant one for years. I mean, I still go back to the the day of the iceberg adverts. There really hasn't been a, a national campaign of that scope since the early uh, 1980s or mid 1980s which is very strange don't you think well i think i think there was a, there was um huge concern and and there was an immediate need for a, a fairly substantial national campaign mm. um and it was very much of its time yeah. and and was largely considered to be pretty successful for its time yes yes we wouldn't necessarily be advocating for a return to a campaign of that of of that style mm, but awareness though. but I think what we would like to see is much more in terms of um, investment and prevention for the groups mm. of people in the UK that we know are at increased risk for example gay men um, people from African communities so we would like to see that targeted prevention work I also think that we would like to see more investment and awareness, not necessarily in terms of a big advertising campaign, but say, for example, we know that lots of people in the public sector receive health and safety training or they receive um, training around bloodborne viruses and HIV, but that's 
often only looked at in terms of occupational hazards and, and it's very, very simplistic. And we feel that public services could build a bit more into that training sure. around about stigma and discrimination, mm. what HIV means now in 21st century Britain rather than, than the perception of it in the 1980s, which yeah. still pervades. So we think that the, the, the public sector and, and the government behind that could do a lot to address stigma and discrimination and general misunderstandings and myths around HIV through through their employment processes and training processes and just, just tweaking them and building on them mm. rather than a, a, a massive national campaign for the entire population. Yes, I, I can certainly see that. Another point I was going to mention is that uh, HIV-positive people seem to be on the increase, but is that partially because more people are willing to be tested these days? Well, there are, no, there are a number of reasons why the, why the numbers are increasing. One is that because of successful treatments, people are living longer. So mm. we don't see the same number of HIV or AIDS-related deaths. So people the num- people are living longer. So that affects the numbers, sure. um, which is obviously a good thing. Um, we also see, we've seen some increase in testing recently, which can lead to, to, to better diagnosis and higher levels of diagnosis. Mm. But we still don't see enough testing. Um, and also we have, over the last five to ten years, seen significant increases in a number of different um, population groups. So there's a threefold increase, there's a threefold um, influence on that increase. People are living longer, more people are becoming infected, and also more people are being diagnosed because of increases in testing. Yes. I guess finally, this is the World AIDS Week or World AIDS Day, Uh, what message from the Terence Higgins Trust would you like to get across tonight to everybody who's listening? One of the key messages that we have is that 26% of people in the UK who are living with HIV don't know they have it. And that has a huge impact on people's health and their potential to live a long life with HIV. And what we would like to do is encourage as many people as possible to consider taking an HIV test if they think they might have been at risk. We think HIV testing should just be part of routine sexual health care it should be just looking after your sexual health should just be the same as making a routine dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment it should be part of your general health check Mm. so we'd like to encourage people if they think they might have been at risk of hiv or stis to make that appointment at the sexual health clinic Mm. go along and get the test and not to be terrified of the bad diagnosis as it were because it isn't a life sentence anymore and because we we live in a country where drugs are available and immediately to Testing doesn't take a huge amount of time. You don't have to wait months and months for a result. It shouldn't affect insurances. It shouldn't affect your employment. You know, a lot of these myths are very, very old and they don't apply anymore. You can get an HIV test and be entirely anonymous if you want to at your local sexual health clinic. And it's far better to to know. If you, if you know, you can get treatment, you can live a long and healthy life. If you don't know... HIV could be damaging your health over a number of years and when you are finally diagnosed, your prognosis could be much poorer as a result. Scratch and sniff. Catherine Murphy from THT there with some very sage advice for all of us. Many thanks for listening and join us soon on SNS Online.